With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. Powered by Clear Vision Development Group, this is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. Welcome, my good friends. So good to be able to speak to you again on the Better Than Before show. And on the show today, we have Lindsay Peterson from Ironclad, and she's going to help us learn how to forge an ironclad brand, her latest book. And I want to share some thoughts on preparation for success. It's all on the Better Than Before show today, brought to you by University Subaru. Right now, when you get a new Subaru during the Share the Love event, Subaru will donate $250 to a charity in need. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. For over 10 years now, we have partnered with Subaru to help those in need. During the Subaru Share the Love event, when you purchase a new Subaru, University Subaru, along with Subaru of America, will make a donation in your name to one of four national charities or the Mid-Missouri Food Bank. Come by and help us help others in Mid-Missouri this holiday season. And you get a new car. We're proud to be your truly locally owned dealer. Subaru will donate $250 to purchaser or lessee selected national and hometown charities. See retailer or Subaru.com slash share for details. Are you working twice as hard, but enjoying fewer rewards? Maybe you're highly accomplished, but you just can't seem to break through and make the next big move. Or you run a business that has begun to grow stagnant. It doesn't have to stay that way. Even the best leaders have felt as if their careers were spiraling out of control, but that's when they had to lead and lead big. Tony Richards' new book, The Big Idea, 52 Ways to Be a Better Leader Now, will help launch you forward in leadership. Learn how to take charge and lead yourself, lead others, and lead your company. Purchase online today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. I'm your host, Tony Richards, and today we have Lindsay Peterson on the show. She's the owner of Ironclad, and she's a brand strategist with a scientific growth-oriented approach to brand building. She's advised companies from burgeoning startups to national corporations, including Zully, Starbucks, T-Mobile, Coinstar, and IMDB. Her background as a PL owner at Clorox fostered in Lindsay a deep appreciation for the executive's charge, increasing the company's value. There, she led mature billion-dollar businesses in newly launched categories from Clorox bleach to Armorall to Brita. 
In each case, she was solely responsible for increasing the business's value. Thanks to this executive perspective, Lindsay demands that brands be hardworking, disciplined, and rigorous in growing a business. Her brand strategies are tested in the crucible of her proprietary ironclad method. Lindsay arms leaders with an empowering understanding of brand and an ironclad brand strategy so they can grow their business with intention, clarity, and focus. And I'm so happy to welcome to our show today, Lindsay Peterson. Lindsay, welcome. Thank you so much, Tony, for that kind introduction. It's good to be here with you. I'm so glad you took the time to be with us to help us educate our listeners on brand and brand strategy. And your latest book is called Forging an Ironclad Brand, A Leader's Guide. Based on the introduction I just read, your perspective comes from being an executive, right? That's exactly right. So I see the utility of brand for an executive, for a leader. I certainly enjoyed the book. I told you that as we chatted a couple of weeks ago about you being on the show. The layout, the colors, it's a nice bright orange combination. really sticks out on the bookshelf. And I want to open it up here to chapter one and read the first line. It says, the word brand is used broadly, disparately, and confusingly. Let's reclaim it. What the heck is brand? So that sounds like a good place to start. I love it. I love to deconstruct brand for people who otherwise think it's kind of this squishy topic. Sure. Yeah. And it's misused all the time. So let's try to clarify a little bit on the show today. First point for you, and I want you to just talk about each one of these as we kind of go through them. Number one, brand is what you stand for. Yeah. So First and foremost, this is the utmost definition of brand. A brand is what you mean to your customer. It's the place that you occupy in their head. So brand is what you stand for. It's the definition of what you mean to your audience. And I think, too, that forms a lot of frustration with a lot of people, business owners and executives, where they sort of get frustrated because it's not always what you say, it's what the customer thinks, right? That's exactly right. And there's an interaction between what you say and what the customer thinks. But really, if you, you know, I encourage listeners right now to think of a brand that they are really loyal to, that they really like. And I bet the reason that you love it has very little to do with the advertising or the messaging that comes from the company. Rather, the reason that you love it, that it occupies a meaningful place in your mind, is the experience that you have. It's not just the promise that the company makes, but it's the fulfillment of that promise. It's the actual experience of being a customer for a given company. So for a business to equate brand with messaging is missing this whole insight that customers experience a brand, a business holistically. Well, executives often struggle with strategy and tactics as well. So I think this fits right into that same type of conversation. So here's number two, brand is a relationship. Yeah, so brand is the relationship between your business and your customer. So this is true for any size business, for any vertical, for any age of the business, whether you have deep pockets or shallow pockets, brand is this meaning that ties together your business with your 
customer. And this has always been the case. This idea of the relationship between the business and the audience as brand is as old as commerce. So say several thousand years ago, that relationship was was between maybe a butcher and the people in the village, which is the audience for that butcher. That butcher's brand is the relationship between his business and the villagers who buy from him. And the bigger the organization gets, the more difficult I think it is to have that consistent relationship too. Yes, exactly. And that's, that's exactly right. And you're sort of, you're sort of introducing the premise of my book and even my business, which is it's so consequential. What you stand for has such a material impact on your PL um, that it's worth it to define it deliberately and with intention because if you don't do that, so in the case of a large business, it's really hard to all deliver the same exact brand experience, but it's even harder if you don't define it. So that's kind of the point of all of this is, you know, position or be positioned. Go ahead and be conscious as you determine that rather than letting the market define you in a passive way. So that leads us to brand is a promise, and you sort of alluded to this earlier. Brand is your promise and your fulfillment of that promise. Yes. So the the promise that your business makes and the delivery of that promise, the fulfillment of that promise, that's the crux of brand. And that's what reinforces in your customer's mind what your business means is the promise you make and the repeated delivery of that promise. So when a brand has integrity, and again, if we think about a brand that we really like, it has integrity when its promise is true. So it's not just a meaningful, neat, promise. It's one that your business can deliver on every time. It's not just what you say you do, it's what you actually do and how you do it and why. In today's cultural um, environment, it seems like people are a little more cynical than perhaps they've ever been. How do you sort of avoid the eye roll in your brand promise where people don't really believe it? So how do you kind of approach that? I love this and I agree. You have to work harder to gain credibility in today's environment than perhaps before. So the promise that you make has to be reinforced and bolstered by what we call reasons to believe. It can't be this kind of pie in the sky promise that you can't demonstrate with proof points. It's a promise that you can show is true. If you don't do that, then it is at risk of being perceived as disingenuous by your audience. So you don't just say, you know, this fabric softener makes your clothes extra soft. You know, you show them or you tell them, you know, out of 10,000 people, 9,000 of them found found that it made their sheet softer. You back it up with credibility points. Either you overtly share those credibility points or you have them at the ready so that as the conversation proceeds, you can share them. I'll give you an example. Zappos, which 
today most people know Zappos as this, you know, apparel retailer with best-in-class customer service. It's famous for its customer service. Well, customer service, world-class customer service is a huge promise. Why should I, as a customer, believe this huge promise? Well, they back it up by having free shipping both directions. And they were the pioneers in the industry for that feature. Now that's actually fairly commonplace, but they were the first to do that. Then it's like, oh, you said you have great customer service and you back it up with this huge credibility point. Okay, now I believe you. So don't make a big promise that you can't back up with demonstrable facts. You grew up in Seattle, Washington. That's where you make your home today. That's where you're talking to us from. I was just curious while you were talking there, what point growing up, did you start to gravitate toward brands and this is what you were going to do for a career or for a living? (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely a roundabout path. I started, well, way back in college with just very, and actually maybe even before college, very huge interest in psychology. So kind of what makes people tick? What is the motive for a given person in a given situation? That has just always stirred me. So I studied psychology during college with the plan to go on and get my PhD in psychology and to become a clinical psychologist. And I left that path because the idea of academia for years and years while getting a PhD did not appeal to the practical side of me. So I floundered for a while. I went into management consulting. I went to business school. And in business school, I learned about marketing. And I fell in love with this idea of marketing is essentially psychology applied to a business setting. So that plus microeconomic theory kind of behind marketing just really tapped into what I was already naturally interested in, which is kind of consumer behavior. So that's what set me on this path. And I went into consumer packaged goods. I worked, as you mentioned earlier, at Clorox after business school for a long time. And kind of learned the science of it there. When you're working on a brand project, what's the deepest psychological need that you continually call on that you have had success building a brand around? Oh, I love that idea. Uh, I love that question. There are, you know, kind of the very core human needs, and this is kind of similar to Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the things that all humans need. I come across a lot the idea of belonging. So that's this kind of, I'm part of something bigger. We are a hypersocial species and we gravitate to feeling a sense of I'm home with other people. So that comes up a lot, that idea. The other one that comes up a lot is psychological safety and peace of mind. I see that theme emerge repeatedly. This is probably going to play into this next point, which is brand is a filter. Yes. So brand is a filter for customers as they perceive your business, which helps them to shape the way that they see you and believe you. The reason that that is so powerful is that attention 
especially today, is the most scarce resource for most people. There is so much stimulation overload and information overload coming at our customers. And when your business stands for something really singular and specific, it breaks through that clutter and it allows the customer to organize it into their brain and into their lives in a way, in the way that you want it to. So it shapes the way that customers view your business. But brand is also a filter inside out from you as the leader out to the customer. It can filter if you allow it to the way that you make decisions across your business. It allows you to have this unifying structure to think, okay, would pursuing X idea improve my ability to deliver on this promise? If yes, then I should pursue it. If no, then I shouldn't. So it's a filter to break through the attention overload, both for the customer as well as for leaders and managers and employees within the company. We're talking with Lindsay Peterson of Ironclad, her latest book, Forging an Ironclad Brand, A Leader's Guide. Let's keep it moving here. Brand strategy is the deliberate articulation of your business's meaning. Yes. Yes. So we've been talking so far about what a brand is. So a brand is the thing that you own inside the mind of your audience. It's that relationship between your business and your customer. It serves as this filter. Now, a brand strategy is the deliberate articulation of what you want that meaning to be. So the brand strategy is the exercise of distilling your promise as a business so that you can make choices across your business that carry out that promise with everything that you do. So every business is going to have a brand. Every business that has a customer has a brand, but only the ones that are deliberate and intentional about what they want to mean to their customer have a brand strategy. I think I'm really going to like this next one. I, I enjoyed it when I read it in the book, and I really think it's key, but brand fuels differentiation. And to me, if you don't have a particular differentiation in your business strategy, you really don't have a strategy. Yes. You know, if you kind of go back to the very basic economic strategy, economic theory, as a business, in order to command margins that will sustain your business, you have to have pricing power. And in order to have pricing power, you have to have differentiation. So the enemy of any business that wants to have a profit is commoditization. Right. The opposite of commoditization is differentiation. So a lot of what you do when you're building your business is how can we be different? How can we create a competitive moat that allows our business to be in this distinctive world where we get ourselves away from pricing decisions in the customer's mind and instead allow for something different about us to drive that decision. So the way that we think in consumer packaged goods the way that we think about brand is that is our primary source of differentiation. In a world where 
products are largely parity with one another, the way that you break through is with your brand, with the feeling that you evoke for your customer. And this is true in consumer packaged goods, but it's actually true for any business that has a customer. Brand can fuel differentiation, whether you're in consumer goods, whether you're B2B, whether you're a small company, a big company, a mom and pop shop, brand can be the thing that makes you distinctive. And the nice thing about brand compared to other forms of differentiation is that it is largely the brand strategy is something that you can steer, whereas other forms of differentiation you know, like having a monopoly or having an IP that nobody else has, those eventually either, you know, monopolies get broken up, IP patents are going to obsolesce, they expire over time, your features will get copied, but it's really difficult to copy the emotional feeling that a brand enables for a business. So this is why brand is so important to the health of your business. It's not just this kind of nice window dressing. It's actually the very source of your differentiation. Very powerful. And then finally, the last point is brand is your North Star. Yes. Yes. So when Leaders think about brand and managers and anybody who makes decisions that affect the customer experience. When the brand is the North Star that guides those decisions from the big decisions to the small ones, from the decisions that are overtly marketing decisions to the ones that are actually more product decisions or operations decisions. When that North Star guides those decisions, it enables you to create outsized value. It also allows for the work of your employees to have more meaning, to be more gratifying, because the North Star is not you as the boss say, it's this is what we are striving for. Everything that we do as a business is for the sake of delivering on this promise, this North Star. So it pushes decision-making out to the rest of the company, takes you away from being a bottleneck. It also allows employees to feel ownership and motivation from this North Star so that they too can grow the business in a way that's really meaningful to customers. I think too, packaged goods, not so much, but in other forms of business, the digital age makes it a little difficult too because we go from things that you can touch and feel and hold in your hand to these things that are intangible. Like I was so glad you sent me a copy of your book because I still like the feel of a book in my hand. I have a Kindle. I have an iPad. I like reading them because I like being able to go somewhere and not carry 200 books with me. But I also still like the feel of a book. I still like the feel of a a music CD in my hand. I do too. I do, I do too. It's, it's amazing. There's something about that sensory experience. As we go more digital, we had a guest on a couple of weeks ago and I asked him what his favorite thing was. And he said, my laptop, because everything I love is in there. Hmm. And, you know, we used to hold those uh, photos, you know, and we used to have photo scrapbooks, but now we just have Instagram. And so... I think it's kind of difficult sometimes to create a personal experience in the digital world. It's definitely a different kind of strategy. 
I think so too. And I think it's a really interesting insight about human beings. We give so much airtime to how different the world is right now because we are in a digital economy and most of us have cell phones and we have Instagram instead of physical photos. And yet at the same time, we have the same human wiring as we've always had. It's not like with the digital age, we got a new body, a new piece of hardware um, as a human being. And so the, the brands that create the most value for the people that they serve are the ones that recognize that. The ones that recognize this person is more than the digital age. We still like to hold something, whether it's a teddy bear or a book or a laptop, we like to be holding something. There is something that is so gratifying about that. And I think it's interesting because it gets lost because we talk so much about how different things are now, but actually most things are not different when it comes to the wiring of a human being, we still want belonging. We still want peace of mind, you know, whether it's 2019 or it's the year 19 or 10,000 years ago, or even longer ago, pre-agricultural era, we always had these motives. And so by seeing that and serving that, businesses automatically have this advantage and can create this love with among their audience, among their customer who's parting with their hard-earned money for their business. So it's a deep sign of respect. I wish I could just get peace of mind over these DNA sampling companies where <laughs> I want to do it and I want the results, but I don't know what they're going to do with my info, you know? So, yeah, I agree. It's unnerving, isn't it? So we've only covered seven things from your book and there is just a whole lot more beyond the first part of your book to building an ironclad brand. What's your favorite part of the book? Uh, what I did with this book is I said, what's a brand? Why should you care? And how do you build yours? So what we've been talking about is what is a brand? And I also love that the second part of the book, which is why? Okay, got it. That's what a brand is. Why should I care? And I love the kind of going into the hard kind of numerical benefits of elevating pricing power and creating longevity and loyalty. That's something that's really motivating to me personally. And then the last part of the book, I'm told by a lot of my readers is the most different from any other brand book because I actually deconstruct the steps to building a brand strategy so that it doesn't feel like this um, intimidating exercise. It's a step-by-step -step process that you can follow, the same process that I use when I'm working with my clients to develop this really sharp edge, specific and value-creating brand strategy for your business. So every guest that comes on the show, we have a standard list of closing questions. And I know you're a regular listener, so you've heard this before. Yeah. I've got 12 rapid fire questions I want to shoot to you. Okay. Are you ready? Okay. All right. I'm okay. Ready. Number one, what's the best memory that immediately comes to mind for you? Mm, swimming in a lake near my house as a little kid. Wow. Who's the number one hero in your life? Um, my dad. What was his name? He's still alive. His name is Steve. And what Steve do? He's retired now, but he's a grandfather to my kids and my brother's kids. He was a leader in his own right before he retired. He's just a good, good person. And everybody who meets him feels a little bit lighter after having talked to him. Sounds great. What's the top value you subscribe to? 
kindness. Who's the most important person in your life? Oh, I have two kids. Give us both of their names. Uh, their names are Luke and Kate. All right. How'd you come up with those names? Oh, Kate is a family name and Luke was the only boy's name my husband and I could agree on. I think he had the Star Wars Association, and I love that Luke means light. <laughs> What's your favorite thing in the whole world? Love. What's your favorite food? Ice cream. Any particular flavor? Uh, yes, Haagen-Dazs vanilla. All right. Even a brand in there. Imagine yeah. <laughs> Most beautiful place you've ever visited? Lake Como, Italy. If you could describe success in one word, what would the word be? Gratitude. How do you want to be remembered? Generous. What's some advice, if you could go back and talk to a young Lindsay, what's some advice you would give her? Mm. Um, I would say that things are not as risky as they feel, that you have a lot less to lose than you feel like you do. So go for it. What's your favorite sound? Um, opera music. Any particular opera? Um, no, really not. <laughs> Just opera. Okay. Yeah. And finally, out of all the lessons you've learned in your life, what's the best lesson you learned? This is a lesson, actually, my dad always says this, which is, I do believe in luck, but I also notice that the harder I work, the luckier I get. Ah, that's a good one. Lindsay Peterson has been our guest today. She's a brand strategist. Her company is Ironclad, and her book's called Forging an Ironclad Brand, a leader's guide. Tell everybody how they can find out more about you and the book, Lindsay. Thank you so much, Tony. This has been such a delight. Yes, my book is Forging an Ironclad Brand, and it's available on Amazon, IndieBound, Barnes & Noble, all those, all those players. And if listeners are interested, I have a free giveaway on my website, which is ironcladbrandstrategy.com. It is a workbook that I adapted from the book, Forging an Ironclad Brand, and it serves as a supplement as you read the book. It's a step-by-step workbook guide of the method I use to building a brand strategy. So you can find that at ironcladbrandstrategy.com. Thank you for carving out 30 minutes or so to spend with us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Tony. I appreciate you. Lindsay Peterson, everybody. I'll have more on Better Than Before right after this. For over 10 years now, we have partnered with Subaru to help those in need. During the Subaru Share the Love event, when you purchase a new Subaru, University Subaru, along with Subaru of America, will make a donation in your name to one of four national charities or the Mid-Missouri Food Bank. Come by and help us help others in Mid-Missouri this holiday season. And you get a new car. We're proud to be your truly locally owned dealer. Subaru will donate $250 to purchaser or lessee selected national and hometown charities. See retailer or Subaru.com slash share for details. Receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards delivered straight to your inbox. Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. Tony's Monday morning coaching memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday morning coaching memo or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com.
Better Than Before. I'm your host, Tony Richards, and I want to talk to you today about preparation for future successes. Winners prepare. They always have a preparation plan. There is always a need for prior planning and preparation. You need time for strategic thinking and execution planning, thinking and learning about yourself, your team, your customers, your competition, your next business moves in the marketplace, the facts and the rules of the game you're playing, the battlefield, whatever metaphor you choose to use about the geography of the business field you want to play on. Once you've spent time preparing, then you have to relentlessly take action toward your objectives. Think about it this way. If you're building a house, what do you do? You look at the land, you sit down with someone, and you talk about the finished product that you desire. A blueprint and a plan gets drawn up along with an expense plan on what resources it's going to take to finish this project. This tells you if you have adequate resources or not to complete these objectives, and you may or may not need to make some adjustments. This just makes sense, right? It's the kind of preparation I'm talking about. Don't just jump in the pool until you put some adequate water in there. The world does reward action rather than thought. Just make sure you have adequate thought, not endless thought. There does need to be some time invested to thoroughly think things through. Don't procrastinate, though, and avoid getting into perfection. You might say, I just have so much going on. I can't take the time to think or prepare. There's just a lot to do. Well, you're never going to become in the elite performance level that way. Let's think about somebody who's on the elite level. Let's think about Serena Williams. She's a worldwide elite level tennis player. Many times she has a match. Let's say it's at Wimbledon on an afternoon. Serena Williams is going to have to wake up and eat breakfast and pick out an outfit to wear and take care of her hair. She's got a husband. She's got a baby daughter. She has commitments, obligations, real-world stuff to take care of and give attention to her match sometime during that day. Her mind has to make a switch. She has to have time to stretch. She's got a time to warm up. She's going to have to have some time to hit some balls. You got these same things in your life and your career. Now, your stuff may not be a worldwide television event, but... Your preparation mindset has to be very, very similar. You have to switch from personal obligations to a transition into performance mindset and performance preparation, for that switch is the key to becoming an elite performer. Your experience, your IQ, and your preparation can help you do a better job of execution and performance, and that's the real advantage you have over others trying to do the same thing you are. Elite performers prepare. Get yourself ready. Put yourself in position to succeed. I help performers prepare for their next executive position. It might be CFO, it might be COO, or more commonly CEO, but there is no mistake about it. You cannot capitalize on your opportunity without the proper preparation. Our coaching and advice at Clear Vision can help you with all this. Just shoot me an email, tony at clearvisiondevelopment.com, or visit our website for more info, clearvisiondevelopment.com, to learn more about how we help you with your next level executive preparation process. That's our Better Than Before show today, brought to you by University Subaru. Right now, when you get a new Subaru during the Share the Love event, Subaru will donate $250 to a charity in need. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. 
On behalf of our associate producer, Whitney Coker, and chief producer, William Foster, I'm Tony Richards, reminding you that everything gets better when you get better. Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.